Hey, nature lovers. This episode of the Birdie Bunch Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the Birdie Bunch Podcast for more information. But without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Bunch Podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, fascination. My name is CJ, and I'm joined by my two good friends and co-hosts. I'm Brittany. And I'm Matt. And we have a pretty fun episode planned for today. But before we get into all of that, how are my good friends and co-hosts doing this week? I'm doing pretty well. I've just been working, trying to enjoy this summer a little bit. Um, I got to um, recently go back home. And as of recording, I am home. Um, So... Um, just enjoying, enjoying. So time. you're no longer in misery. I mean, misery. I, I am um, no longer in misery as a place, state of mind. <laughs> Different question. Who's to say? Well, I mean, we're recording an episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. So, so that's a good all good vibes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just enjoying being home and getting to see friends. Good, good, good. Matt, how are you doing? I'm honestly just really tired, just about all the time. Yeah, you've been working hard. Um, yeah, and it feels like I'm hardly working, but who knows? But yeah, just you know, recently got to see family. That was really nice. It's been since Easter since I have so well needed trip to Michigan. Um, well, well, well needed. How are you doing, CJ? I'm okay. This is actually the, the the week this episode comes out is actually the week of my birthday, which is very exciting. I'm gonna be 92 this year, just a couple years younger than Brittany. <laughs> you can tell because you actually there take yourself is. off mute. <laughs> it's fine. Wouldn't be a podcast episode without 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 a comment. No, I, I said I was going to be 92. So, like, I feel like I can attack, I can hit myself. I can hit, you know what I mean? But, as like, a, mm, as opposed mm, to 15, like me. Yeah, Matt's like 12. Mm, so, I just lost three years. That's wild. <laughs> 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 the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's me, the Lord. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, tis I. The Lord. I don't know. Very, very good. All right. Well, that was a fun time seeing how we're all um, doing fine. But let's get into our first segment, the creature feature. Today's creature feature is sponsored not only by Patreon, but also the great country eh, country of the united states of america what <laughs> i have questions i'm so sorry i stepped back and you know i stepped back from, from someone who has the rights taken away right now from this great country i stepped back i again. stepped back <laughs> whose rights are currently on the chopping block i would mm-hmm. really like to question that <laughs> I stepped back. There was a very large step back, I might add. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the the to, the, to put it in the, the context of the Grateful Dead. The United States of America. Please tell yeah. us about it. To put it in the context of the Grateful Dead, we need a miracle. And uh, another species that needed a miracle way back when DDT was in use was the bald eagle. So the bald eagle, if you're from America, you may acquaint it with, I don't know, America. If you're not from America, you might also frankly equate it with america that's fine there's really nothing better that describes america than the bald eagle especially because they don't actually usually hunt what they do is steal food from other birds but the bald eagle is one of the largest birds of prey that you can find in not only the united states but also north america there's a very large eagle that when it is a fully adult grown bird it has a bright white head where it gets that bald moniker from a nice, rich, dark brown body and wings, and then a bright white tail again. Like I said, that name bald comes from the really, really starkly white plumage on its head. 
they're also piscivorous so they are a species that can be you know found normally will be hunting on lakes you'll find them near large bodies of water which is where they'll set up their massive massive nests and they will attack at the surface of the water using their great great eyesight and huge sharp talons to get fish but occasionally they will also take carrion or they will steal fish from other birds especially osprey you can find them very often harassing osprey in fact in my opinion the cooler piscivorous raptor but that's you know besides the point i think one of the funniest things about the bald eagle is the fact that if you were to look at you know you'll see um a bird screaming very patriotically in, in a movie or something like that in hollywood conjures up images of the bald eagle sometimes you'll even see pictures of the bald eagle in like hollywood right and you'll hear this nice, loud, shrieking call, and you're like, wow. Patriotic. Wow. It goes, or something like that. I don't know. Um, it doesn't matter, because just like I impersonated that call, those bald eagles are also impersonators in hollywood because the real vocal influence behind that song is not the bald eagle but it is in fact the red-tailed hawk yes red-tailed hawks are the most common bird in hollywood and also usually splayed over images of bald eagles which is really 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 funny they take about two to three years to fully you know get their fully developed colors um people often mistake the young ones actually for golden eagles the cooler one in my i might add but the bald eagle is really important of a steward for conservation just because of the rehab that had been done since the 1950s largely sparked by um rachel carson's silent spring book which mentioned the ddt epidemic which what it did what it was it denatured you know it was a chemical in pesticides that bioaccumulated up um up the food chain which means that little things ate a little bit of it fine the little things like bugs ate a little bit of it a lot of them died that's what pesticides for and then the larger things that would eat those things that consumed them would eat those smaller things in mass so like a mouse needs to eat more crickets than you know and so these chemicals would accumulate up the food chain until eventually you had really really high levels of these chemicals in bald eagle populations in osprey populations in um, peregrines were also hit very hard by ddt and what this chemical did was it denatured the the eggshells of their eggs that they would lay so they would you know they would fracture easily they wouldn't really last until actual proper hatching because they were so weak and so it's a really really great steward to what conservation can be done when put into effect um it is probably not a coincidence that the species that we've seen probably the best rehab in the country with just so happens to be the national symbol which is why it's duly important that we start making nature itself symbolic rather than just a certain species because there are so many species that don't benefit from that kind of flagship that the bald eagle has so needless to say it's a cool species i love hearing like people talk you know who have been alive during that whole restoration and hearing how many people see so many now that they never used to it's always a really lovely positive thing to hear and it's a sign that when we want to do good we can do good so we just need to do good that's the bald eagle what a good creature feature um was that a pun or something it was supposed to be because he just said good like five times in a row uh, see that's what I you did. get that's what that's what i get for not paying attention <laughs> mm -hmm. it'd be nice to be actually listened to every once in a while you know what when hey, you think I about did. it when I you did. think about it people do listen it's just not me today <laughs> it's not the podcasters it's the podcastees frankly yeah dear listeners thanks for listening but did you have any thoughts yeah um that it's good yeah that's good no, I think I think one of my favorite things, especially when I've done programs about bald eagles in the past, is the fact that like Hollywood has deceived everybody because they do make like this cackly weirdo like laugh noise and like it's just not 
as majestic as what we associate them with because America. And so it is just like one of my favorite facts. So I'm glad that you shared with, with all of our, our listeners. So I yeah. will say, I will say, I love hearing that from you too, because we have two bald eagles at like the nature center that I work at. And one of those name is Abigail. She is flightless. None of our animals that we have at my nature center that I work at can fly. Um, but she does know how to roundhouse kick. She's probably the meanest bird that we have there. And she does like judo. It's really cool. And um, for, go ahead. Sorry. Well, but I will also say it's always preceded by that cackle. She like, mm -hmm. her head goes completely back. And for, for all of our listeners, I don't, I don't think you touched upon this. I could have missed it. Um, but for, um, bald eagles who are in human care, they, um, like they are only in human care because they are non-releasable. It is a rule with um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife that facilities cannot house um, bald eagles who are releasable back into into the wild and in nature. And so, um, so Matt just said that the bald eagles there can't fly. The bald eagles I've worked with at previous facilities had both wing and eye issues, um, but there's there's always a reason why they're not they're not releasable because um, you can't just have them. Um, and there's actually a bunch of rules that you have to follow to be able to be in compliance with U.S. Fish and Wildlife in order to keep them. Um, it's actually also very illegal to keep uh, the feathers of. The of bald eagles, um, there are documents in in the government that can only be signed with a bald eagle feather, um, and there are native tribes that use um, bald eagle feathers um, in some of their ceremonies, and so a lot of times bald eagle feathers will be given to them um, because they are the only people um, that can actually legally have bald eagle feathers. Um, so, um, just other fun facts. You both gave some really awesome information there. And I feel like, I mean, again, I think everybody's favorite story here is the fact that, you know, Hollywood dubs them over. But, you know, bald eagles are just really, really, you know, they're, they're iconic. Like Matt mentioned, when you see a bald eagle, no matter where you're from in the world, odds are you're thinking of America. Um, I, the first time I saw a bald eagle, I was like shocked. Like you've seen, I've seen them in uh, under human care, but like a wild bald eagle is way bigger than I thought that it was. And it's, it's very, very impressive um, to see such a iconic creature, um, a majestic creature, but you know, uh, a fish eagle nonetheless. Thanks again, both of you for sharing such amazing stories about our, a national bird, the bald eagle. But let's move on to our next segment for now, and that is, of course, current events. So today's current event was from July 19th. I'm from Monaga Bay, and the title reads, White Rhino Conservation Project attempts paradigm shift by including local communities. And so it's a project that reintroduced white rhinos um, in Western Zimbabwe. And they were, um, this program was being launched for the first time on community owned land. Um, and so two rhinos have been released into this small sanctuary where they're able to graze um, and the land itself was actually donated by local villages. And so um, one of the biggest ways that they're able to um, have these conservation initiatives is actually by getting local communities involved, recruiting people to um, basically kind of watch out for them, make sure, and then it works out really well for both rhinos are getting that protection and then these communities um, and villages are actually being compensated for that time. And a big part of, of where they're gonna get that funding is by tourism. And so well, some of the biggest tourism that 
is in Africa is by doing those safaris and having people come and see these animals. Um, so by having more of the animals there, there's hope that a sanctuary will raise tourism dollars um, for community development. Um, but then it also creates a buffer to protect farmers' crops and livestock um, from elephants and lions and hyenas. And so um, it's just really cool. This article kind of just talks a little bit about um, how the local communities are involved and um, how they kind of are looking at the rhino's poop and different aspects to encourage grazing and doing all of this really cool conservation stuff. And hopefully they'll be able to have more than just the two white rhinos um, on this this reserve. So I just found the article really interesting and hopeful. And I think it also hits, we've talked a lot about this on the podcast about people and, and wildlife interaction and how they're, we've talked about negatives and we've talked about positive and there's just a little bit of small light of a positive interaction and how local communities are really coming together to conserve the white rhino. I love to hear about community action, especially when it comes to conservation, and especially when it comes to discussing the idea of human-wildlife conflict mitigation. Again, Brittany, you mentioned it's something we talk about a lot here on the Brittany Punch podcast. And if it's a topic you're particularly interested, uh, you know, we have a bunch of episodes discussing it. Take a look back through our catalog. But yeah, great current event. Awesome. I just love rhinos. So thank you for sharing about it. They're just a chunky unicorn. It's exactly what they are. That was lovely, but it is in fact now time for our next segment. So I mentioned at the top of the episode that this episode is brought to you by our Patreon. Again, visit patreon.com slash the birdie bunch podcast. If you're interested in signing up to be a patron for us, we have a bunch of different tiers of support that we would love to have you as a part of our patron community. But we have a segment here on the Birdie Munch podcast. We do when our episodes are brought to us by our Patreon. That is called Question of the Day. So, Matt and Brittany, are you ready for our question of the day? <laughs> I, I need you to say something. People, oh, you know what? Maybe you don't because <laughs> it's a Patreon exclusive. You don't know my answer if you don't. So we have a question from a supporter of the Pretty Much Podcast, and that question is, what is your favorite dinosaur? So I'll let you guys go first. What's your favorite dinosaur? I actually have an answer right after that. Do it. I really like the Triceratops, um, but I also really like the Bronchiosaurus, so those are probably my top two favorite. Um, and that's literally just because of the land before time i grew up on those movies and they've been my favorite ever since um who doesn't love littlefoot um and then like i really like triceratops i just think they're chill um i like the way that their heads are shaped i just i don't when i think of a dinosaur i always think of a triceratops and that is like always my go-to um they got they're just cool First of all, I'll say I love the, the the presumed concept of a chill dinosaur just because they've been dead for so sticking long. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, we don't know, but I want to assume. That I don't know if I had like if I had like a freaking fork on my face. Best believe I'd constantly been poking people. Like so, I yeah. But would like, you poke people like for the prank or like to be mean? Because like, no, for, for the, the prank, prank, obviously. But is that malicious then? It's, it's just, not malicious, but is it chill you're, still? But you're still chill. It's just pranking the bros. Chill. Just pranking yeah. the bros. Oh, no. No, you're not a TikTok <laughs> pranker. Stop. Stop. No. Matt, favorite hate. dinosaur. Favorite dinosaur, Matt. Uh, mine, I was always a big fan. Um, I've loved dinosaurs for a while. And, like, I, I loved paleontology specifically for a while. And so, like, I really loved Baryonyx. That was the dinosaur that I loved growing up. Essentially, it's a Spinosaurus without the, um, you know, without the, this the the dorsal spine, you know, the the spine itself. Um, it was a Sukumimid where it just was like a fish eater. 
Um, and they knew it from these really big teeth and these really cool claws. But I will say that, like, I have found that I was very partial towards prehistoric mammals just because I think there is something to be said for how wild, like, you know, dinosaurs are reptiles and dinosaurs are wild, right? Like there's a lot of really wild dinosaurs looking out there, like like Therizinosaurus with those big, uh, big uh, Edward Scissored hands looking claws. That's weird. Yeah. That's weird, especially it's very strange. Especially considering it's a herbivore, so like it's this massive hardware for something that eats grass. But I will say that like the mammals being so closely related to like you know humans as far as evolutionarily goes. And seeing such a departure from like things that we view as mammals now is so wild. Um, there's like uh, Thylacus smilus, which we've talked about in the pod a long time ago. Isn't that the lion, like the marsupial mm-hmm. lion? The marsupial um, saber tooth tiger, essentially, yeah. like the marsupial equivalent, except it looks so wild because like its lower jaw extended with the teeth. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I do want to keep talking about favorite extinct mammals mm-hmm. or others because I have way more than I do favorite dinosaurs. Exactly. But let's hold it to dinosaurs. Are well, the dinosaur is Baryonyx. Baryonyx slash Spinosaurus, just because okay. they're both pretty raw. Yeah, they're both pretty cool. Pretty cool dudes. Um, I gotta, I gotta, you know, echo Brittany. I really love a triceratops, like cer- like ceratopsids, big fan. But I think my favorite dinosaur overall is, uh, I think it's Diplodocus. It's like a really long boy. He's got, he's like 80 feet long from like the top of his head to the end of his tail. And really cool because like their tail was just like, I don't know. I think it was like 80 or 90 vertebrae or something. So it's like crazy long and it's like not necessarily prehensile, but like they use it like a whip, which is really cool. Just a long boy. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, anyway, thank you so much for that question. If you want to ask us a question, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Birdie Bunch podcast. Thanks again to Game Anderley for being a patron. Now let's move on to our main topic for today. So as you might have guessed from one, the title listed, uh, wherever you're listening, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean, whatever your choice, or you guessed it from when we talked about the bald eagle not even 15, 20 minutes ago, our topic today is national animals, and we are going to be doing a tier list. We've done tier lists in the past, but kind of a refresher for you if you're not familiar with what the concept of a tier list is. Basically, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be presenting a list of animals that represent uh, nations that they are from, whether, you know, and they are the, uh, uh, I guess, official national animal of certain countries. And us as a team, we are going to put them into different categories from F tier, D tier, C tier, B tier, A tier, all the way up to S tier, from lowest to highest. So S tier is the best, F tier is the lowest. These are, of course, all ranked on our personal opinions and the stories behind them and how we feel about those stories. Yeah, any questions that I should answer about the concept of tier lists or national animals before we jump into this, folks? I just have a question before we do jump into it for you, though, is what is like, what is the concept of a national animal? Like, what does that mean to you guys? I, when I think about a national animal, I think about the, like, when I think about a country, this is the animal that I instantly Mm -hmm. think about, like that just instantly comes to mind. So the bald eagle, like we talked about earlier, is the one that instantly comes to mind for for the United States. Um, the panda is instantly what I think about for China. Yeah, so that's like a great that. one. That's one we're not going to talk about today. But that China is panda. It's, it's symbolic, right? Yeah. Mm. Yep. And so those are the. It's like in, instant. That's what I think about. Fantastic, Matt. The word I'd use, and in, it's in, in the very similar vein as Brittany. The word I'd use is synonymous. So, like, you know, yeah, I don't think of 
anywhere else when I think of Bald Eagle. Not only do I think of Bald Eagle when I think of America, but when I think of Bald Eagle, I don't think of Canada or Mexico. Or I don't think those are just the ones that border. So that's why you know I said that. I don't yeah, that's I certainly don't think of live, right. Yeah, I certainly don't think of Great Britain. Like I, it's like <laughs> I, I just you know it's one doesn't. I don't want to say one doesn't exist without the other, but like the way that national animal conservation usually relegates itself to, there's a lot of priority based on those national animals because they're flagships. You can't lose flagships. And so, you know, I kind of view them as inseparable from each other. They're intimately intertwined. Yeah. I mean, what, what I, through the research that I've done for this episode, basically the concept of national animals and the reason that countries have them is because we feel that it's important in showing what a country values, whether it's strength, intelligence, joy, a bunch of other things. So national animals kind of express that about their country. Now, the thing where it gets funny or tricky is that <laughs> sometimes a country doesn't have a national animal, and that doesn't you know, necessarily say anything about like what it says to the world, but mo a lot of these notable countries do have national animals, but sometimes their national animals are not animals of which the their country of origin is claiming them. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But the first one is an iconic one. Like you think of the bald eagle with the United States of America. You think of the China with the panda, the giant panda. So this one is very, very iconic. We're going to be talking about Panama and the Panamanian golden toad slash frog thing. Panamanian golden frogs, as far as I know, were slash still are extinct in the wild but there's been a lot of conservation happening because of there's been a lot of amphibian crises happening causing this species to struggle and the country of panama has completely come around this beautiful little tiny amphibian and like supported it and like the panamanian golden toad is on their coins and their like bills and just like a part of their culture, which is so, so exciting. And because of the work that this community, and by this community, I mean the entire nation state of Panama has done, the Panamanian golden frog continues to thrive. Where do we rank these guys? I'm immediately starting, and this is going to sound, you know, biased, and maybe it is. I don't know. I'm starting with an S. It's a species we've covered on the pod before, um, but I think more importantly than that, it's also really cool that, you know, it's a multiple species flagship. It's a flagship for a region. It's also a flagship for a complete and utter conservation disaster. When we talk about chytrid fungus and we talk about the devastating effects of just an anthropogenic world upon amphibians in particular, um, I think it's an amazingly cool species. I think it's really cool, especially that it's not some huge mammal or something like that like you tend to see humans revolving around like everything about the panamanian golden toad frog thing really relegates itself to like small batch conservation localized conservation and most importantly just like understanding and loving and participating in the region that you're from no matter how large the species is no matter how small the species is and so i think it is it is perfect I, it is perfect and I love it. So S. Yeah, I actually agree. I will put it in S tier because like, how, how could you not put an animal that like literally brought a whole community together to like save them? How can you not put that in this tier? And they've got a really cool call and it's something that's just like, they're just really cool. I put them in S tier as well. I'm going to have to echo both of you there. The Pennymane Golden Frog slash Toad, absolutely incredible. One of my favorite animals in general, let alone a symbol of a country. Talk about a community coming together. S tier, all around the board, fantastic. I'm glad we can all start off on the same page. I have a feeling we're going to get off the rails in a little bit, but I'm excited to see what happens. Um, our next one is actually... Uh, an a national animal because there are a couple for this country there's a couple for actually a few of the countries we're going to be discussing but it's a symbol of the country of mexico so the official national animal for mexico is a bird it is the golden eagle 
We talked about the bald eagle earlier in this episode, but the golden eagle is the national animal. But we're not talking about the national animal specifically. We're going to be talking about the national dog. That's right. The national dog. So, Brittany, Matt, do you know what the national dog of Mexico is? There's a couple of options, but it might not be the one you expect. I'm going to guess... Mm, I'm going to go and guess the Chihuahua. Chihuahua is a very good guess. It's actually very closely related to this animal. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh. Is There's it the no way it's... little things with it, no fur? With absolutely. Skin, yes, oh. correct, correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Matt, we're talking about the national dog of Mexico. Mm. Mm. So, Brittany is right on the money there. It is... Uh, it's it's occasionally called like the like the Mexican hairless dog, but the official name and my apologies for pronunciation. I'm trying my best here. Is Choloitz Quintli, and basically the Choloitz Quintli is the national dog of Mexico. And here's a little story about it. So basically, its history and connection to the country of Mexico as a land kind of goes back almost 4,000 years to when it played a significant role in pre-Columbian life before colonizers came and basically took over the land. To ancient Aztec and Mayan people, this dog, man's best friend, was also a hairless, ugly slash cute healer, occasionally a food source, but most importantly, a guide to the underworld. What are our thoughts and feelings on the Sholo Eats Quintly? A, because I, this is purely, and you had me at maybe a B until you said the underworld, and then I went A, just because underworld afterlife stuff with animals is cool. It's cool. And like to have like such an intimately tied heritage, that's super cool. So for that reason, A. Isn't this type of dog also the dog that's in Coco? It absolutely uh, is. It absolutely is. Yeah. I'm going to give it like a B because I think it's really cool to be. There's like a lot of heritage behind it, like Matt talked about, and that's really cool. Um, but I don't, I just don't think they're like it just there's nothing that's like above and beyond for me you know like b is a solid score so i'm gonna go with b that's fair i think i'm also gonna echo matt on this one go with a tier i am a big fan of an ugly cute animal particularly when it comes to dogs so i think i have to lean into that um a little bit but i i just love the concept of these little tiny dogs being like heralds from the underworld. That's so, so cool. Um, our next one here is a uh, the, the National Aquatic Animal of Thailand. So the National Animal of Thailand is the Asian Elephant. There's a couple different countries who have named the Asian Elephant as their national animal. But the National Aquatic Animal of Thailand is something... 80,000 times smaller. <laughs> I did the math. <laughs> Asian elephants can weigh, on average, about 4,000 uh, 4, 4, 4, pounds? 4,000 4, kilograms. 4,000 kilograms. And this animal weighs 0 .5, 0 0.05 grams. So very, very small. What do you both think the national aquatic animal of Thailand is? It might not be one you would expect. I'll just say that. It's also one you've for sure seen before. You both have actually might have owned this animal before. Oh, is it a, is it a, is it a, is it a goldfish? No, not a goldfish, but you're in the right alley. Is it a koi fish? It's not a koi fish. Is it a fish? It is a fish for sure. It's Can confirm. Oh, is a fish. Oh, uh, is it a beta fish? It is. Is it a beta fish? They're not called beta fish exactly, but it is a beta fish. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it is the fighting fish 
That is the national aquatic animal of Thailand. So like I mentioned, one of the most popular fish in home aquariums, they have named these Siamese fighting fish Thailand's national aquatic animal. And it was only actually they named it this back in 2019. Um, a lot of them, a lot of people really like these fish just because they're gorgeous, right? They have these beautiful colors and beautiful fins, but they're actually really kind of nostalgic for people of Thailand, which is pretty cool. So Thailand was known as Siam um, until 1939, which is kind of where Siamese comes from. And in 1939, they officially named, changed their name to Thailand. And this change was intended to promote a more inclusive national identity as the Siamese are only one branch of the Thai people. Um, and kind of since that time, there's been a lot of kind of not only production of like, not only an increase in like human rights campaigns across the world, but also animal rights campaigns across the world. And so the kind of concept of fighting fish has since sort of faded out. But, you know, there's sort of gone a uh, underground or rather underwater fighting ring for these fish. Um, that kind of still happens across the country. And to kind of, uh, you know, kind of curb that a little bit and kind of inspire some awe, the people of Thailand have named it the National Aquatic Animal. These fish are becoming increasingly rare in the wild. And again, part of their conservation efforts is kind of change the stigma around how people view them. People used to view them through this lens of, oh, we're going to fight these fish. But now people are hoping to kind of see them through these conservation lens. What are our thoughts on the Siamese fighting fish or the betta fish, the national aquatic animal of Thailand? I think I'll jump in with a B um, for betta, uh, but also just because, um, you know, I it's a cool species. Um, also fairly you know they're beautiful but like i associate them with the aquarium trade and like with cheap dingy college apartments so that's kind of a hard thing hard thing to break from but i will say it definitely jumps up solely for the reason that the reasoning behind it being placed that way is really cool i think that's a really phenomenal reasoning for putting something as to be you know a national symbol and so for that reason i'll give it a b Still high, but kind of like Brittany was saying last time, nothing yeah. over the top. I think I'm going to have to follow you there with a B tier. I mean, I feel like you and I have been kind of right matching today, Matt. But uh, yeah, I, I think B for beta is pretty good. And also, you know, I think kind of going, you know, like truly symbolic with the Panamanian golden frog slash toad to an animal that I just think is really sinking cute slash ugly to this iconic kind of part of culture now turned conservation. Uh, icon with the Siamese fighting fish. I think B is a pretty solid start for this little guy. Brittany, how would you rank the Siamese fighting fish or the beta fish? Um, I think I'm going to put it in C tier. Yeah, why? Um, because I think they're they're beautiful. They're beautiful fish. They're very cool. Um, however, uh. I feel like they have not garnered enough respect around the world. People treat them horribly, which isn't the fish's fault. It's not the yeah. fish's fault. No, absolutely not. But just the way that people don't view them as, I don't know, big enough to provide proper care and welfare and things like that. So I'm going to put them at C tier. That makes sense to me. Let's move on to our next one. I'm going to save some more good ones for the end of our conversation. So now I'm going to jump to some of the ones that I don't think are as great. But maybe you guys will have different opinions. Who's to say? The next one is a animal that is the national animal for 19 different countries. 19 different countries have this animal as the national animal. And it is only found... In eight of them. <laughs> Any guesses what it is? D. It's a D tier. You don't even know what the animal 
yeah. I don't care. I don't like these control C, control V national slash state animals. That's why you won't see me hyping up the cardinal anytime soon. D. Well, I mean, remember what I said about why a country might choose an animal as a national animal. They believe that it captures what the country represents, whether it be power or intelligence or strength. Is it going to be like it's either going to be like a tiger or like a bear. You're real close. Like Tigers, <laughs> lions, or bears. Absolutely. It is the African lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the African lion, 100%. So the lion is the national animal of 18 or 19 different countries across the globe, including many in Africa. Hold on. I'm going to pull up a list and just name some. All right. So Belgium, Bulgaria, Denmark, the United Kingdom. The Netherlands, Norway. Okay. Not going to lie with that Singapore, context. Sri Lanka. <laughs> with that context, I, I will admit D tier was a bold jump to start out with. I'm actually going to go ahead and put in an F because that's just straight up colonism right there. And um, correct. I'm echoing F tier. <laughs> absolutely screw that. Uh uh. No way. Yeah. Belgium. I mean, there are countries that the lion is, you know, it's. Uh, you know, native to where it's the national mm -hmm. animal, but there's also a lot where it is not. Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like it's like like a tier for the countries that actually have mm -hmm. the animal in in it because like the lion is iconic, and when I think about countries in Africa, like you think about elephant or buffalo or whatever, but like you think about like those big five, but like United Kingdom. No, F tier. If I could, if I could go. Well, I, 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 I do want to say I the would. United Kingdom as a whole it has chosen the lion, but specifically England. England has chosen the lion specifically. Mm. Okay, that so, change anything mm. that you're feeling? No, for me it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, no. And Brittany, you were saying too. I was gonna make the same comment. I actually put it in F tier because, like, for those countries, to me, it is Z tier, and for countries where it exists it's an a tier which averages to approximately an f so f yeah 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 I, i'm i'm gonna have to echo you both uh, i i really struggle because i really like lions and i think i've grown to like them a lot more recently i started a new job where lions literally are across the like i can see them from my desk and i really like lions but i'm really struggling making these any higher than f tier are you not lion you're right. I'm not. I'm telling the truth. I'm truthing, mm. if you will. I got the joke, Brittany. I, I need you to know. I, I need you to think that I, I need you to know that I got it. We, we got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, F. Screw that. Absolutely yeah. screw that. Yeah, no, not, not a fan. Um, our next one is actually another um, national animal of a country in the United Kingdom. Actually, our next two. Are the United other countries in the United Kingdom, and I'm putting these in there purely because I think they are interesting. Is one a unicorn? One is a unicorn. That's yeah, Scotland. yeah. Scotland's national animal is the unicorn. Yeah, like a horse with a horn, not a chubby unicorn like a rhino, but a real life unicorn. Um, and the reason is they believed it would beat a lion. <laughs> and that's that's why they chose it because England was a lion. That's S. That's ass. That's so bold. They were I love so. That. They were so turned on by the thought of beating the Brits that literally they chose an animal that just does not exist. Yeah. You don't know that. Mm. We're mm. gonna get <laughs> preview to to spooky spooky bunch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spooky bunch three. Yeah. Electric boogalee. Spook the spookening. The um, so I did mention the next two would be the, from the United Kingdom, and this one is our final one from the United Kingdom. We had England with the lion. There's other, I need to clarify, there are other countries within the United Kingdom, like the Isle of Man and Northern Ireland, but we're particularly talking about England, Scotland with the unicorn, and now Wales. So do you guys know what the national animal of Wales is? It's not a whale. Than F. They missed an opportunity. They really did miss an opportunity, but I would mm. argue this might be slightly better. It is, in fact, a red dragon. A red I dragon is a dragon. The... <laughs> a red dragon is the national animal of Wales. And it's I... considered that the Welsh kings first adopted the dragon in the fifth century in order to symbolize their power and authority after the Romans withdrew from Britain 
And then later in the seventh century, it became known as the Red Dragon of Kaldualar, uh, as named by one of their kings. And it's continued to be a symbol and is still on their flag today. Okay, so the idea of having a dragon is your national animal as tier. The reasoning behind, the actual reasoning behind why they put the dragon as their national uh, animal. Mm, I mean, it symbolized, here. It, it symbolized, like, you know, again, I'm not defending the choice, but I'm just explaining the choice that, like, after, you know, conquerors of the land, the Romans were expelled from Wales. They're like, yes, we have the power now. We're like a dragon. Again, the reasoning, the actual <laughs> reasoning behind the choice. Boring. Boring in D tier. But having a dragon as your national animal, I feel is probably like A or B. So in in Matt's math mind, I'm gonna yeah. give it like a B minus C plus mm -hmm. I'm going C tier. I'm going in C tier. Just because I think you re like it's really the middle ground between unicorn mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. lion. Exactly. <laughs> That's literally what I was gonna say. It's the midpoint between those. Like unicorn yeah. is the highest of highs. <laughs> lion, if you're the UK, is lowest of lows. I don't know, I don't know if unicorn is the highest of highs, but it's S tier. We'll just leave oh, it. No. No, 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 no. That to me is the highest of highs. Not only did they choose my little pony because they thought it could delete <laughs> the african lion like it's hilarious it's a, a beautiful it's beautiful but the but the red dragon's holding out in c tier for you yeah yeah i was thinking it's just not as good as the unicorn and also if the reasoning were because it would kill a lion i would also <laughs> bring it up to a it would be a that step might be one of the reasons it just wasn't one of the reasons that i found it's I, you know what if Dear listeners, if you can if you can supply me with that, absolutely, I will bring it up to A. If they were straight up just like, yeah, it could also kill a lion, I will put it up I to mean, A. I mean, it probably could, but that's not the point. Yes, but they need to reckon with that, not sure. me. So the next one that I have here is the national animal, or I think it's actually the national mammal, of Pakistan. And it is a creature that I know we all really like. It's the markhor. So the markhor is a species of goat. It has these long, spirally horns, and it's really, really iconic uh, in terms of mountain species. But the reason that I've proposed it for this is because Pakistan also has a national predator, and it's the snow leopard. <laughs> so I just thought it was interesting to have both the prey and predator as symbols of your nation. What are our thoughts and feelings? Uh, S tier solely off of the fact that the last time we've talked about the the Markor was in the first episode that I was a guest That's on the Pretty Fun, and mm. I went up to Matt in the Markor parkour joke. Oh, very good. Yeah, forever holds a special place in my heart. Mm. It's really weird that you would hold on to that as long as you have um yeah almost three years yeah that's pretty wild that's uh that is that takes me all back to when i was literally 20 you won up to 20 year old good jesus christ i was <laughs> 20 oh my god i'm um gonna go with a because i would much prefer my national predator to be predator to be the snow leopard rather than that to me is exciting so for those reasons do i have to cut that probably okay i think that's funny <laughs> that is funny anyway i think i'm also gonna go with a tier uh just because i really like the markor and i really like the snowbird pakistan has a bunch of national animals like national aquatic animal national reptile but I really thought that the Markor and Snow Leopard pairing was interesting there because they're so closely linked. The next one is the national animal of Mauritius. Do you guys are you guys familiar with the nation state of Mauritius? It's an island state, correct? It is a nation state. Um, Not what I is, said. What did I say? You said nation state. I said island. It is an island. That's correct. <laughs> Um, and their national animal is uh, a species of animal that is actually, or rather, it was actually, 
endemic to the island of Mauritius, and that is, if you're not familiar, the now extinct flightless bird, the dodo. So dodo birds, it lived exclusively on Mauritius, and it is kind of this bird that is synonymous with being like silly or dumb, but actually they've just never been exposed to people before. So that's why they were very easy to be hunted. And now they don't exist anymore. How do we rank the dodo for the island of Mauritius? A, because it's a bird. Um, also because, like, I like that, like, the, the, this island, this state was, like, here. Kind of need to reckon with the fact that we absolutely, like, like this, this species was completely decimated by humankind. So um, now, so that no one forgets, it's our natural animal. Screw humanity. Bye-bye. I love that. I love the ire in that. I'm going to say D for Dodo. Not bad, not bad. I think I'm going to go with B tier, um, purely because I feel like within our animals that we've got so far, it's it's pretty middling in terms of, like, reasoning, but, I, I, I like, in terms of, like, animal quality, I guess, it's, like, a, a you know, middling. But in terms of reasoning, I really like it. Like Matt mentioned, it sort of was like a symbolic of that island being endemic. So B tier from me, um, we have just two more. So our last one, or not our last one, oh gosh, our second to last one is the national animal. Uh, I'm not going to say the, the country it's from because it will for sure give it away. But both this national animal and the national bird of this country are named so because they can't take a step backwards any guesses on the country or the animal for some reason i feel like the ostrich can't take a step backwards the ostrich is a great guess and you're really close so it's an emu it's an emu god <laughs> the emu is the national bird and the national animal that we're going to be ranking is the red kangaroo kangaroos national animal and emus national bird of the country of australia this kind of motto of can't take a step backwards. How do we feel about that? What are, where are we ranking the national animal of Australia? I would say just based off of like when I think of an animal from Australia, I'm definitely going to think of a kangaroo. So yeah. like, like that's a solid pick. So I'm going to put it in A tier, but I think I put emu in S tier because I feel like if I put it in anything less, they'd kick my butt. So that's valid. I got to say that's that's valid. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with emu for S tier, um, with the caveat that I think I am a predominantly white nation. Talking about never stepping backward is ironic in a way. A thousand um, percent. But and that's exactly the reason why I'm putting it in B tier, even though I love Australia. <laughs> I, I want to. Um, I do believe that like this is a good motto potentially, mm -hmm. but potentially reflecting upon our past could help us improve the future. That's just mm -hmm. my take. Um, I'm going with B tier. I'm and I'm gonna you know stick with S for emu solely for the fact that the the ballsiness of making your national bird the species that you lost a war to is and that so, might be why and that might be why so clutch so good so just like unrepentant. It's really funny. They'll kick your butt. Put it in S tier. Put it as your national bird. They'll, they won a war. Cassowaries are not even on the table. And they, that's that's a whole different story. To be fair, they haven't assembled the proper well-regulated militia that the emus did. That's, this is true. My apologies. This is true. My apologies. And our last one, I believe this to be kind of similarly to the Panamanian golden frog slash toad, similar to the giant panda of China, Similarly to the bald eagle of the United States, I believe this one to be an iconic species for its nation. This species was only discovered in the past 110 years. It is truly an icon, one of my favorite animals of all time. I have it tattooed on my body. If you're not familiar, we are talking about the forest giraffe itself, the okapi. What are our thoughts and feelings on the okapi as the national animal of the Democratic Republic of Congo? I think it's really cool. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in like 
I say I'm going to put it in S tier because I think it's really cool that that's their national animal, especially for an animal that like has been so recently discovered. And I know they were discovered in, I think it's like 1901, which to you youngins is probably not <laughs> listening. Is that just, that seems like a really long time ago, but like when you're thinking about it, species. In, but exactly in terms of species, that's like nothing. And so I think that's really cool. I just think that Okapi just in general are really cool. They have amazing camouflage and just are beautiful animals. And I think it's even cooler that I had no idea they existed until YBC. So, yeah. Um, S tier. Matthew. Yes, like it's amazing. Like it is. It is amazing. Phenomenal species. Phenomenal reasoning. Um, phenomenal conservation work behind little copies. I might add. Um, phenomenal connection to the podcast. Just, just phenomenal. Perfect. It's perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. S for perfect. S for perfect. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, obviously echo both of you there. I love copies. Obviously. Amazing. So we started with S, ended with S. Amazing. And there's definitely a lull in there. Lull for the lion. Um, but thank you all for participating in this fun tier list. Hope you guys had a good time listening. Thank you again for everybody participating. Again, we, 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 uh, Obviously, couldn't get to all the national animals. Maybe we'll do a sequel or a squeakquel, if you will. But for now, let's jump into our outro. Where can y'all be found on the social meds? Matt Valaga on Instagram, M A T T V is in Victor A L I G A. See you there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Brittany Bunch, T H E B as in bird, R I T T A N Y underscore B as in Brichter, U N C H. Um, and I actually just posted some photos of a recent trip to Virginia to Chickatick Island. Um, and so I'll be trying to be a little bit more active. Um, but go check it out. Amazing. You can find me as well on Instagram at cj.greco. That's cj.greco. And yeah, you can find all of us collectively on Instagram or Facebook or Facebook or Instagram at the Birdie Bunch Podcast. You can visit our website, www.thebirdiebunchpodcast.com. Um, if you visit our website, there's a lot of really awesome stuff up there, including a blog post with resources from each of our episodes, as well as uh, our links to our merch store. We have some really amazing merch. There's going to be more coming soon. And a link to our Patreon. Again, you can visit patreon.com slash the Brady Bunch Podcast to support us on Patreon. That's what this episode is brought to us by our amazing patrons. Thanks again to Gabe Anderley for being our patron. Uh, there's a bunch of tiers of support that you can sign up for. Please do so. In addition to supporting us financially, you can also support us without any money involved. Simply just by leaving us a review. Can either of you pull up a review to read out? All right, Brittany, go ahead, share a review. So this review um, is brought to us by Veronica Seawall. It says, The Birdie Bunch is an awesome show that inspires a love for all parts of our world. Thankful for it and the awesome hosts for sharing it with us with um, a rainbow of different colored hearts. Um, and so we really appreciate um, that review and like CJ said, if you leave us a five-star review, whether it's on Facebook or Apple Podcasts or wherever, um, we'll read out here on the podcast. Um, we love hearing from you all. We love being able to share um, what we love with you all. Um, and so thanks for that, Veronica. Amazing. Yeah, thanks so much again. Please leave us a review if you're like, no, I don't want to leave a review, but I still want to support you somehow. You totally can. And the easiest way to do that is by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you learned something fun about a national animal that you've never heard of today, please share this podcast with a friend. We got some really awesome episodes planned for the future that we're all crazy excited about. And I know that you're going to be excited about too. So share this podcast with a friend. Listen in, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think I think that'll be it for this week's episode of the Pretty Bunch Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great two weeks. We'll see you then. And without further ado, we'll catch you next time. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah.
Thanks so much, all you nature lovers, for listening to yet another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would especially like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our art for our episodes, as well as Connor Whitman for producing our music. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination.